You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in for another episode of Bare Bones. My name is Mason West, and I am joined, as always, by Danny Meehan. Danny, how are you doing? I'm good, Mason. How about yourself, buddy? Not too shabby. I think we were just talking about... I am building. You kind of got glitchy there. I didn't hear you. Oh, we're just talking about being tired, and now the glitchiness of this podcast is continuing to add to my tiredness. This is what we call fatigue. <laughs> it's in that weird part of the draft season where it's not like there's not like nothing going on, but especially now that the Bears trade out of the first pick, it's just kind of like let's just get to it. Like the pro days mean almost nothing to me. Cool. You know, Richardson threw a hole into the roof. That's that's awesome and all, but like I wanted people on teams. It's also just the weird makeup things about prospects that you don't actually believe season to make certain teams think you believe a certain thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but probably the most important thing we have to lead off with, and this this is I can't stress this enough. Everyone listening, get ready. Nathan Peterman re-signed with the Bears earlier today about one. <laughs> I mean, he's back. Nathan Peterman is back. <laughs> oh, for the love of God. <laughs> Danny, your reactions? Woo. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, camp arm, right? I mean, he's he's been here. He was here last year. He knows the gist of the offense. And they like him, they like him in that scenario. Just throw the ball <laughs> to the third string guys so that they can get good camp looks. That's it. But, you know, whatever. That's just fantastic. But actually, more important things, uh, you know, Ryan Poles, uh, Warren, well, Kevin Warren, uh, and Iberflus as well, they all talked uh, over at the owners' meetings. And there are some, uh, some comments, some quotes that I thought were interesting. So I'm going to throw some at you and see what you think about them. Sure. So regarding Dave Montgomery, this is Ryan Poles. I would just kind of sum it up by saying players do have a choice, Poles said. I thought we communicated well. I thought we negotiated well. At the same time, you don't always know what's going on in the background, but I thought we did a good job. We were transparent. We were organized, and it just it didn't happen. Sounds to me that they wanted him back, but at their price, and there really wasn't much budging on that. Whatever they decided he was worth, that's what he was worth. I, I would agree with that. Um, I like David Montgomery. I know there's a lot of advanced stats out there that might say otherwise, that he just shouldn't, that he's not a good running back. Um the intangibles he possesses, I always felt was very important to that locker room. And at the right price, I would have loved him back. But I know we talked about this when it broke actually live here on the podcast when Deontay Foreman was signed. I also loved Deontay Foreman. You and I are running back guys too, so it's very easy mm-hmm. to fall in love with these running backs. Oh, but yeah. Deontay is a stick his foot in the ground, get going forward at A to B kind of guy. He's a sledgehammer. Yeah, and it's just fun to watch that. And I like his comeback story, you know, from his injuries. 
It's it's wild to believe. I think he was in that 2017 draft class, and he's only 27 now. Like that's such a bizarre. Like wow, you're only 27 years old now. It's so interesting because he did. He's got some miles on him, obviously, just because of having the uh, injury that he had. But at the same time, he kind of reserved some of that. He didn't have as much the beating and the bruising that he would have and had. And I want to say years. he only had one really heavy workload year at Texas, which was his final season. Yeah, absolutely. So where he ran for over two thousand yards. People seem to forget. Ran for over two thousand yards, and he got paid less than Monty ended up getting paid. And honestly, I think he's going to fit this system pretty damn well. You know, if, I mean, if you're asking my personal opinion, they're one hundred percent going full committee. It's going to be Herbert. It's going to be going to be Foreman. It's going to be um, uh, Travis Homer and whoever they decide to to draft uh, a little comment from the chat here john asked does foreman previous injuries worry you significantly for this year mason no it does not actually uh when you look at his he had achilles and actually achilles uh tends to rehab a bit easier a bit quicker than some of the you know, acl some of those that were worried about and he really hasn't had too many issues since then uh, and we actually saw similar to how acls work like that first year back even though you're back you're not truly and that's why he bounced around a little bit uh, i think and- he's, he's this story is really interesting too. Did you know he actually, during that time period, he actually went and started, I think it was a trucking company with his dad. Mm-hmm. And then he almost didn't come back to the NFL, but then his dad mm-hmm. passed away and he had a promise. It's a really cool story. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really happy story in a way too. And despite his father passing away, cause he's doing it in his father's memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was, and I think, I think I've said it on this show before in regards to the ACL specifically, we really need to recalibrate what we think about it because of what Adrian Peterson did. He is a one-of-one mutant freak Wolverine, whatever he is, because he was, what, out seven, eight months, and he was back and then went for 2,000 yards and I believe broke the single-season rushing record or came close to that year. Like, that's not normal. <laughs> I th- I've said it multiple times on the show. Uh, you're at about 75, 80% one year after your ACL reconstruction surgery. You're not at 100% until two years. And as you said, Adrian Peterson just broke people's brains and people forget that. So, um, and again, Achilles is easier. So, um, no, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with where he's at. Uh, Danny, another quote from Holes uh, regarding Komet and having two tight ends. It keeps defenses on their heels, really, because you get two different types. You could roll with two tight ends. Cole is more than capable of running routes and making plays as well. So just keeping teams off balance with our personnel groups, that's really going to help us. And again, just to be explosive and make plays down the field. I mean, it's kind of true. And if you really look at what, um, what Getsy was doing in green Bay or what LaFleur was doing with green Bay while he was there, they did run a lot of two tight end stuff with Tanya and Mercedes Lewis. It's just something they do a lot of. So it's, I'm sure it's in their bag. They just didn't really have a second tight end worth mentioning. And I'm not wondering if that's why they brought Tunyon in because it's the learning curve is less steep. He's shown to be a productive tight end. Although I think he's another one coming off of a – didn't he have an ACL or an, or an Achilles himself? ACL as well, yeah. yeah. So well, That's why his numbers were a bit depressed last year. Mm-hmm. So – they might have gotten a guy who, yeah, it's cool he's from the area, but he was legitimately a productive football player prior to that injury. Yeah, the year before that, he led the league in touchdowns from as from tight ends. So I think he had like eight or nine or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I would also say too, connect that to Justin, you know, he had some pretty gnarly seasons passing to tight ends uh, back in college. Problem being, he's had pretty much Cole Komet, who was finding his way, you know, the year before that. Last year, he finally found a little something. And then, you know, the rest of the tight ends, right? I mean, people are struggle to name the other tight ends on this team because they aren't, weren't good. <laughs> That's being nice, but yeah. <laughs> uh, another polls quote uh, regarding, as you just had alluded to, those Chicago-based players. I think when you have pride in your local team that you grew up watching, you knew what the club meant to the city and you saw some good times and some good players. I think you're a little bit more motivated to perform at a high level and also lead because you've seen guys do it at a high level before you. So I always like that aspect. I think it just means a little bit more. Um, I'm sure it's a bit of a pandering quote more than anything. And I'm sure it is in regards to Tunyon specifically because he is from the area. I don't know if they've signed another guy from the area. I know there are a couple of uh, Edwards also is from the oh, area. Oh yeah, TJ Edwards is from mm-hmm. Lake Zurich, right? So yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. And I really truly believe that Edwards was a discount because he was coming home. There's no way that guy should have been as cheap as he was, given how productive he's been the past couple of years. Oh yeah, and there's and I think there's a truth to, it to an extent. I mean, I could imagine if I was going to put on. Houston Texans colors and run out the tunnel for the first time versus I'm going to put on Chicago Bears, you know, colors and run out the tunnel. It's it's just going to hit different. It's going to feel different. You're Mm -hmm. going to look up to the spot where you used to, maybe you you watched a couple games as a kid. Um, You know, it's, it is different. Now, is it like the deciding factor between two players you're going to bring in? No, but um, I mean, it's, and it's also like how cool it is. Cool is it? I know uh, every so often the state playoffs go there and play on Soldier Field. Who's to say he didn't play on Soldier Field as a high school player? Like I, I don't know how good the programs are in high school from the time he was there at Lake Zurich, but I mean, I'm assuming it's a possibility. <laughs> like, let's flip gears a little bit to uh, to Warren. So he had a couple quotes as well that I thought were were interesting. Uh, first one, that was a big part to be able to close on the land. That was a big step. Warren said at the meetings on Monday. That remains our main focus from a stadium development situation. There's a lot of work to be done. I mean, basically, when you close on land, that's really when the work begins. And so I'm looking forward to April 17th and still just been trying to transition, gather information, and stay up to speed. I mean, it's interesting because it's just making the Arlington Heights thing more and more real, right? Like, I am I was always of the opinion the second that the rumor came out that they were interested in that land, that they were leaving Chicago. Like, it wasn't a matter of if, it was when and how they were going to get the deal done. And Warren obviously is well versed in this. I think he was the CEO of the was his title in Minnesota when they were building the brand new Viking Stadium. So he's obviously well versed in this. He's got experience in what this has to do. It was just a it's a waiting game and seeing what their plans are, what their scheduled uh, you know break ground date is, what their scheduled finish date is. It's all just a long waiting game. It's exciting though. And the, the part that I really took from it was that April 17th date. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, he hasn't started yet, right? I mean, like his yeah, he hasn't he's just started hanging out for the most part. Ted Phillips is still in that seat. Um, it hasn't shifted fully. Uh, I do wonder if anything will shift at all. Like, will he become a little more visible? Because, right, he had his press conference, and then it's, like, gone. <laughs> you know, ghosted into the back. Yeah. And part and of it's just because he literally totally. probably can't. Right? And so, like, April 17th rolls around. Is he a little more visible? Are there some more comments here and there? Um, and I think what didn't they say that Ted's gonna basically still stick around a little bit as a consulting role or something? I'm sure he will. What else does he have to do? Yeah. Um, and then one more from Warren. 
Uh, I always say for the time that you put a shovel into the ground, it's about 36 months if you stay on target. But the key is when you put the shovel in the ground, because now you have to get all the legislation done, work through all the political elements, design the stadium, make sure it comes to life. So that's really what the timetable becomes. So, Danny, what do you think about that 36 months? I think that's best case scenario. Especially with how Chicago weather is and whatnot, like. You don't want to have, I think it was what the Houston Astros park years ago that had, or no, it was the, it was the Milwaukee Brewers who had construction workers perish because they just kept deciding to work and it wasn't, you know, good enough conditions. I think it was like a crane tipped over and took a couple lives of workers. So, you know, I, I think it's best case scenario. I just don't know what what to expect or when to expect that 36 month waiting game to start. Because like you said, they don't really want, I believe it was Arlington Heights doesn't want to give them any money. So they're going to have to figure out ways of getting state funding or whatever it might be. Well, like you said, right. Like when does that 36 month start? Cause you know, they, like, and like Warren said, you want to get all that legislation done. You want to make sure you have the stadium designs. You, you want all of the roadblocks the best you can out of the way before you even do that. Cause you don't want to put, You know, for all those people who are really excited, I'm excited about it. I think it's gonna be really cool, but it's gonna take it's gonna take a while. It's gonna take a while, and yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be Bears land. You're gonna have a Bears Hall of Fame, the new stadium. You're gonna have like parking lots, a casino, hotels, everything. It's gonna be cool. Like it's gonna just be a big Bears amusement park. Which, if that's your thing, yeah. Just a couple more things that came from this week's right. Some new rules came from the league meetings. Uh, most important rule, uh, in my opinion, that the number zero is now allowed to be worn. So, Danny, which current bear would rock the number zero the best? Which current bear would rock the number zero the best? Hmm. Part of me would want to say Deontay Foreman would look pretty tough in that num that uniform, but I don't think he's going to wear it. Um, I know we were all kind of speculating that Mooney might when he had that tweet of the eyes and stuff on it, but. I think a lot of people don't understand is when you change your number, you got to buy back all the, you all the jerseys with your number on it. And he's on a fifth round salary. So um, that's kind of expensive. Uh, I'm not trying, I'm trying to think of another one. Like he comes to mind. Um, I don't know. Jaquan Brisker, I think might be kind of cool flying around as the hard hitting safety in zero, but he looks nice in nine. What about you, Mason? Who's the guy you would think looks good in zero? Honestly, I really liked the idea of of Deontay Foreman as well. And it's just something about him standing in the backfield, right, getting the handoff right in the gut in the zero, and then just taking mm -hmm. off. Like really resonated with me. Um, the other one, and you're gonna hate this, would have been Tremaine Edmonds because he was actually when I was playing with the idea of honestly. Oh, okay. Because yes. I look, I go back to like uh, Little Giants. And how like Icebox like like had like the big X on her and just like I don't it's just be the opposite the X and the O so yeah. to me just like the man in the middle the big O just I think that would have been cool that would be cool but would be it's cool. probably going to be a new player like you said it costs way too much money to switch yeah pretty much <laughs> all right I think there's not really all the other rules are kind of boring to be completely honest they I mean, really didn't like, they, like there's always things where they like kind of shake up the rules a little bit but they didn't really do much this year like i thought they for sure were going to change like the the rugby style scrum the 
the Eagles do to get their first down on every quarterback sneak of like fourth and two or shorter ever, but they didn't change that. I'm actually kind of shocked by that. Two of them that one that passed and one that didn't, that was interesting. Like now they are allowing teams to play multiple Thursday night football games, which is awful. You know, it's hard enough to play one of those, let alone. That's terrible. And you know, it's like the top profile player guys, right? I think like Patrick Mahomes tweeted out, you know, a, an emoji with a you know palm to the face because he knows there's a pretty good chance he ends up playing two of those. It's just such a, it's such a meaningless game. It's a bad product, and these guys need time to heal. They're in multiple car accidents every week, and people are like every every year it's like God, this Thursday night game sucks. Why do you think that is? They don't have enough time to recover from a Sunday to a Thursday. They just don't. It's not enough time. And then every once in a while you have like the car wreck that is some random like Monday night game also becoming somehow a Thursday night. That happened like one time, but then like it was terrible. It mm-hmm. makes no sense. But then when some one thing that didn't get passed, which is ridiculous in my opinion, is the ability to make up for potentially game-changing roughing the passer calls, right? The, that one getting rejected, I understand you're trying to speed up the game and we saw the debacle that the pass interference was. But that was just because they weren't even trying, in my opinion, to actually make that work. Mm-hmm. They were just like, here, take this for a year. Oh, it didn't work. Oh, no, let's get rid of it. So they basically just cut it off early and said, yeah, we're not even going to deal with this. Pretty much. Um, and, John, I see your comment down here. I don't think they would make rule changes for the Eagles play more offense means more eyeballs. It's, the, it's not the offense thing. It's the player safety thing of the very nature of that play where they're all going low. You're, you're seeing Hurts getting – popped in the back by his own players because the last thing they need is a guy who was an MVP candidate getting a spinal cord bruise or something like that because his guy was spearing him trying to get him past the first down marker. It, that was my only thought on it. Well, and the other thing I would say specifically for the going back, you know, to, for that roughing the pass for one is we've actually saw there was like in, an uptick in some of the injuries to the tackling individuals mm-hmm. because right that whole like don't land with your full body weight on them and all that so they're trying to do these crazy like alligator rolls to get off and i mean they're having to go from full speed to try to get around the edge to try to get up the middle get to the quarterback and then all of a sudden lock it and ramp it down in order to try to like tackle this quarterback who now you have guys like justin fields who are as, as big and, and josh allen who are as big and as strong as some of the running backs and wide receivers that are out there like, it's also not necessarily fair to the to the defenders, but you know it's an offensive league. You and I talk all the time about that, the underthrown pass interference stuff, which I know is something you just absolutely despise. It's, no, it's, it's whatever is going to get more points, and unfortunately, helping the defense is not going to get more points. Nope. <laughs> Much to my dismay. I think for the most part, that's all of our, our news from the, the week that, that was. We, we got our, like I said, mock draft coming up in a little bit here. Uh, is there anything, Danny, that you're particularly looking forward to over the next couple of weeks before the draft, or are you just ready for the draft to get here? I'm kind of just ready for the draft to get here. We're in a really kind of a lull period. Like the, the, the pro days are cool. Like you get to see Anthony Richard throwing to his own guys, but how many quarterbacks or whatever do you hear having a bad day um at their at their pro day they're throwing to guys they recognize they're throwing to guys they know i think the cool part about the pro day is you get the the local kid from the small school like that's how adam thielen 
got noticed by the Vikings out of, I think he was at Minnesota State or something like that years ago, and he went to mini Minnesota Golden Gophers Pro Day just as an invite. So you get to see the local kids get a shot, and you never know. You never you never know what you might find. I think that's how Miles Austin was discovered years ago out of Monmouth College. You know, before what a name drop. That's really that is really cool though. Like you said, just to be able to it's, have that spotlight is pretty nice. Yeah, because these guys aren't gonna a lot of these guys don't go to real the real combine. There's only what 300 invitees to the real combine, right? So you there's so many football players. There's 160 to I believe division one college football programs, each rostering 200 kids. Do the math. Like <laughs> there's my soapbox for the pro days is more I just to me I, I see it as another opportunity to get hurt. Uh it's it's traipsing around in your shorts and your t-shirt for for how much are you really getting out of it. Like wasn't that David Ojabo last year? Or yeah. was that the combine? No, it was at, I think I'm pretty sure it was at his pro day. Yeah. Um it, and he missed all, pretty much you know the entire year because of it. Um I, I bring that up another reason is because uh Paris Johnson, you know, this one clip uh was going around Twitter on his pro day. And I actually took a snippet of it and tweeted it out because I didn't like it as much as everyone else did. It was he was facing away, jumped in the air, twisted 180 degrees, landed, and then you know went back into his shuffle trying to show his quickness and agility and all that stuff. First of all, he never has to jump and land in 180 degree twist. Why the hell are you having him do this? How often does he actually practice doing that? Second of all, if you slow that down and actually watch what happens to his right knee, it slams into a genuvalgus moment, just moving midline. That's literally the recipe for an ACL tear. So, like, basically, you're trying to show off this guy's athleticism, doing a moving pattern that he never does, that he doesn't practice, that he doesn't need to do. For for what? Just to make it look cool and because you have to fill in time in a stupid pro day? Every time I hear for what, I think of the old Ricky Waters quote years ago when he's coming. It was a game that they were supposed to win to go to the playoffs, I believe. Or it was, like, a playoff game. I can't remember which. I, wasn't, I was very young for the game. But they ask him why he alligator armed a potential reception that would have gone for a first down, and he goes, for who? For what? <laughs> yeah, it, it makes no sense to me. Like, but uh, we're going to wrap that part up. We're going to take a short break. And then when we come back, we're going to jump into our mock with a special guest. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back in Mason West, Danny Meehan here with Brad Spielberger, Esquire. Got to throw that in there because I don't hear it said enough. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for being patient, guys. I apologize for the late entry, but uh, good to see you guys. 
Brad so, Spielberg Esquire penis. <laughs> hey, you know what? The, you got to throw this on there. You know, when you earn that, you, you, you got to spread it, especially with how awesome the things you do are, like the the stuff you do at PFF. Yeah, it's it's pretty great, Brad. What you do, it's you, and you make I love it. You make well, you guys all of us done. Yeah, you guys are far too kind. Uh, very, very nice of you. I will say the Esquire thing, like it is kind of a troll. Like I am trolling with that on my Twitter oh, handle. Absolutely are. Yeah, and I think people, some people think it like think it's I'm like like I'm taking it seriously and like I, I want to be referred to as Esquire. Like it is a joke, but uh, anyway, I, I like you said, I'm not going to pay that money and earn that degree and not throw that on the end of you know of come on, that's what it's all about. Here, do I get my cool little things right here? Just. FF, I get my cool name stuff now. Too. Yeah, FF. there you go. I had a, I don't yeah. a banner. Yeah. <laughs> the banner. We are going to go through, and this is going to be 100% accurate, obviously. As a reminder, I say this every time. This is the fifth time I'm saying this. Danny and I cannot repeat players. So if your favorite player is sitting there, we cannot pick them. I understand. Like maybe you want this receiver, this tackle, whatever. Go watch the previous episodes. This the whole point of this is to have you get players that you haven't heard of or, before. Or better yet, Mason, we don't care. <laughs> I mean, I care. I'm, I'm a teacher. I care from that perspective. <laughs> Why are you lying to the folks? Well, I, oh, I don't know. Okay, anyway, getting to the good <laughs> stuff. So, <laughs> boop, 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 boop. And then, of course, we got... Oh, hello. Yeah. Made him and, real uh, tall. Here's the one is thing, that... Brad. Yeah, Brad's tall. Da 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 da. That's why I did that. Is that <laughs> Foster's house for imaginary friends? Honestly, I don't know where I got that from. I just it worked. Okay. All right. So first things first. Let's get right into it. Um, the way we're doing this in order is, you know, if a trade happens or whatever, we're tr trying to do this in the order that that would occur. So I actually traded back first, um, as you can see here. I traded with the Patriots. We got went back to the 14th pick, acquired the 46th pick, the 107th pick in round four, and then also the 117th pick. Uh, just getting a lot more value. Is this the most likely? Yeah, probably knock off one of those fourth rounders, but PFF mock let me do it, so I did it. Hey, the mock, the, the trade values are just based on prior trades and, and the Jimmy Johnson chart. So, look, I won't the, – the player trades are, are sometimes tough. Uh, I mean, they are also based on prior trades, but the if, if the mock lets you do it, uh, the draft thing lets you do it, it's because it's, it's happened in the past, so – that is, so that is a nice trade, though. That is, yes. that is juicy. Well, hold that thought, Brad. Um, because, so, like Poles has said previously, right, the way that the Bears operate, they run their own simulations, right, and try to figure out what the heck is going on. And like I have said previously, I really try to just do the mock. I sit down and say, this is my mock simulation. This is how I'm going to roll. Um, but I did run a couple simulation ones, and I found that a player that I wanted really couldn't get past the Titans at eleven. And I kind of realized that after I made this trade, oopsie daisy. Um, oopsie daisy. So, so I, I traded back up uh, to the 10th pick. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so, but as you notice, I didn't give up the 14th pick. I gave up the 46th, the 61st, the 107th, and then I gave up a future second and a future sixth. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I got We're value. 2025, so, or 2024. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got value. <laughs> Uh, and so I figured I would spread the love. Um, and actually, that leads me to Brad and I picking the same person, me at 10, him at 9. 
Harris Johnson Jr. He, he wouldn't get past the Titans most of the time I was looking at this. So I felt like I needed to to get back up there. Brad, why did you take Paris Johnson here? It makes sense. He couldn't get past the Titans. Uh, he was top five for us in uh, outside zone run blocking grade. Uh, so I'm sure that is kind of, you know, factoring into the situation here among tackles. Obviously, Titans have a similar run scheme uh, at Chicago and Luke Getze. I will say this, though. I'll be honest. Uh, I think I messaged maybe Dan this yesterday. Um, I love Paris Johnson. He's a good player. I think I've become a Broderick Jones guy over the last uh, couple of days. Welcome. Yeah. 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 So I watched probably 400 snaps of each uh, yesterday. And I think I'm, but nevertheless, let's go back to Paris Johnson. So I think you can see with him that he is a first year left tackle. Um, he, he's, he oversets sometimes and guys will beat him on the inside or he, his hands, I remember I tweeted out he had patient hands, and then I watched another 100 pass block snaps. I said, he has the most patient hands in the world. I haven't seen him strike a guy on a pass rush yet in, in 100 snaps. But I think when he does get his hands on someone, you see his long arms. You see, I think, what a lot of people can project forward with him, that if you fine-tune some things, tweak some things in his game, I think he could be a really, really, really good tackle, is a good athlete in space. Um, but, yeah, I think him and Broderick Jones look like – Everyone likes to talk about how Braxton Jones can get bullied on the bull rush, which is is fair. These guys are going to get bullied on bull rushes at the NFL level next year as well. Um, they might they might fix that faster, uh, but nevertheless, good player. Obviously, the Ohio State connection. I would not be upset with this pick at all. Yeah, I mean, he's really interesting. I mean, he started at right guard in 13 games his sophomore season before being moved to left tackle for 13 starts. Uh, just shows how versatile he can be. Uh, and I also think that does highlight – he doesn't necessarily have to be your left tackle. If you're pretty happy with Braxton on the left side, that I think you can use, you know, mini camp and everything to figure out and say, you know what, who are the top five and who's going to fit best. So maybe he goes to your right side, but long athletic definitely need, as Brad said, needs additional technique work, uh, but definitely possesses traits to be a long-term fit. And I think he can get bigger and stronger. He's got the frame for it. I would say that trepidatiously because everyone says, oh, they have the frame. Like, literally, like, legitimately, he has the frame you can just throw muscle on as long as he gets in an NFL weight room. He's is, really that how you, is that how you build muscle? You just throw it on people? Just like clay. You know, just throw it in statistics. <sighs> I thought that was synthol. <laughs> I love how rhythmic he is in his slides and his pass sets. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a machine how he does it. But then he has the athleticism to be able to pivot as needed. Opens his hips well and accelerates, but he does need more pop in his block. It's more of like a catch sometimes than a true block, which I don't love. And he can bend at the waist a bit more than the knees, which isn't as ideal as a run blocker. But, I mean, you're drafting him for his pass blocking, really. And he does tend to lean a bit forward too much, uh, which leads to defenders hitting him with spin moves and leaving him in the dust. But, you know, he has the makings of an early tackle starter with ceiling to grow long term and can be a pillar of your, your offensive line. Amen. Anything you want to throw on Danny or should we just, no, I mean, you guys kind of, whatever it's, you guys said everything that needs to be said. Yeah. He, he, he good. He, he good at the whole football. Danny, you uh, also traded back. Surprise, surprise. Yes. <laughs> Did you not? <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> Is this the wrong one? Am I looking at the wrong? Nope, that's the correct thing. That's correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just dumbest guy ever. <laughs> All right. Well, so Danny traded back with the Packers. Um, and what'd you get? You got a forty-fifth. You got 
Uh, I can't read. It's blocking my screen. You got a 170th pick in the fifth round, and then you got a seventh round pick. Um, I'm surprised you didn't try to get a little more out of, you know, your so right I made a, I made a rule for myself. If it goes under 80%, I won't make the deal. I respect that. Because it just feels like you could just take these teams for a ride because the second it gets to 51%, it's just going to be like, yeah, sure, we're going to do that. And it just doesn't feel logical. So I was like, well, what's a what's a good passing grade in high school or college? 80. It's a B. Cool. 80% is where I drew the line. It's a very arbitrary rule I gave myself. I'm not making, I'm not saying anyone else had to do it in this act of, of nothingness, but it's what I applied to myself. And boring. All right, next. So uh, because I did not trade back that far, I kept that 14th pick that I traded back with and somehow still got the 10th pick. I get to go again. Uh, and one of the last times I'll get to do this, I took Jackson Smith and the Jimba. I squashed all that concern about do you go wide receiver, do you go tackle? And I got both. You know, six foot one, 196 pounds, not the biggest wide receiver in the world. But as a sophomore, he ranked third in the FBS with 1,606 receiving yards and tying for ninth with 95 receptions in 13 games. When Alave and Wilson opted out to prepare for the draft, he caught 15 passes for 347 yards and three scores in the team's 48 to 45 Rose Bowl comeback win over Utah was robbed of that final season with a hamstring injury. That's a big concern. I don't like hamstring and wide receivers especially, but that's a whole other conversation. But he is a possession slot receiver and is a safety blanket to a T. Route tactician, tough cross the middle. He just has a knack for getting open, as we saw with those statistics. And he can be your quarterback's best friend. Could be Justin Fields' best friend if you play your cards right. Uh, and he elevates his catch focus when contested, tracks deep throwing balls with great accuracy. But he does lack suddenness and for separation and out of breaks and likely to be viewed as a slot only option. You know, at the end of the day, speed is a concern. There's a reason why he didn't run at the pro day. He got the number he wanted at the combine and said, I'm pretty good with that. Let's move on. Uh, and are you okay with that? Are you okay with drafting someone who may not be a true number one wide receiver by, you know, your normal standards at this point in the draft. And the other thing that we are hearing a little bit more and more actually that I bring up is green Bay seems like they like him a little bit. So are you uh, worried about him in the green and yellow? I love Jason. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is a really good football player, and I probably would qualify him as my wide receiver one in this draft. And I think we need to get to past this point where we call someone a slot-only player and mean it as a bad thing. It just means he's an inside player. There's nothing wrong with being an inside wide receiver. Guys make a lot of money being inside wide receivers. Cooper Cup has made a ton of money and a ton of plays being an inside receiver who kind of shadows as a tight end at times for Sean McVay. It's wild. But we, I, I just, I'm so over this like rhetoric of, oh, he's a slot only. Who cares? Wes Welker had multiple hundred reception receiving career reception, multiple hundred reception seasons in his career. For Tom Brady, playing a primary slot. Julian Edelman, people think, is a Hall of Famer because he did of what he did in the slot. If you're the best in the NFL at being a slot receiver, guess what that makes you? One of the best receivers in the NFL. It's not just because you're playing the slot receiver. I won't add anything on JSN. I agree, I agree with both uh, points. You know, that quality rant there that I, I definitely agree with. Um, just, my rant, not rant really, but kind of. When when I when you when you look for needs and yes the Bears this year have some like obvious 2023 needs look at a 2024 depth chart if you want to actually look at needs for a team and so if if people are pushing back on like taking a receiver because they have three yeah well two of them are on expiring contracts so it's a need Thank like you. It's, 
Yeah, and like we'll, we'll get to my pick later. Like I have a corner. Like, oh, corner is is in my opinion one of the biggest needs on the entire roster, uh, which I know people don't agree with. But again, same principle. So I figured I'd get that out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to look ahead to what you what's going on. I mean, Claypool didn't wow you last year. Mooney's coming off a serious injury. You have to take all that. Danny gets to do a pick. Yeah. I know he picked that picture. Danny was like, can oh, you I, use that? Can you use the abs one for LVM? Use the, use the abs one so I can just <laughs> salivate. Um, so Lucas Van Ness is the prototypical break all rules of my personal evaluations. I try my best, and I've told Brad this uh, via text, where I hate getting smitten. I hate it. Because smitten means normally they're probably going to suck. Because it's so much just... I am projecting things that aren't there yet. Lucas Van Ness has been a uh, timeshare player, to say the least. He's always been on the pitch count. He's never been a full-time starter. Um, The production is limited, but it's all just like what you see when he pops. The, The power is undeniable. He's got great first step. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. And it's just like you see it, and it's like I don't even think he's an edge. I would, because of his first step and the power he has, I would almost want to put 10, 15 more pounds on him and just play him inside a three technique all the time. That's my personal opinion. I don't know what a team would do if they got their hands on him because he is just such a almost like a ball of clay. Like you're just you're molding something that he is, isn't all yet. You're, you're trying to basically just be a, an artist and say, hey, craft this this raw material into something gorgeous and he's not a finished product, but he's just so much raw material that I think he's almost impossible to not play the what if game with. And that's effectively what I'm doing. And I think given his motor and his intensity and even the ability that they line him up all over, you'll see him on both, both ends. You'll see him at three technique every now and again. I've even seen him lined up at nose when I watch him. He's kind of just a chess piece for him. Now he doesn't play a ton of snaps, but I'm I, I'm smitten and I hate it. <laughs> I would say my only my only issue here. Now you're good. Is 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 that projection? So you've already traded back to nine. So you've already taken away an opportunity to get a quote unquote guaranteed, not guaranteed, but the best you can say in, in the NFL draft player to nine. You trade back again, and now you're at fifteen. Like do is the bears team is the bears defense in a place where they can hope on projection. And that, that would be my only concern. Sure. And I totally understand that. And we also have to factor in, he's still relatively new to the, to the sport of football. One thing for me is you talk to a different person and they, all people that I respect their football opinion, uh, obviously you included Danny and some think he should lose 20 pounds and become a stand-up outside linebacker. Some people think he should add 10 and become a three tech. Like it's, it's kind of weird. I, you know, I don't know what that means. It could mean nothing. Uh, I just think it's kind of interesting because, again, like I said, good evaluators, people that know this stuff very well, um, have very different mm-hmm. opinions on where he belongs. It's kind of interesting. Sure. It um, is, especially because he just doesn't line up at one spot every down. Yeah. And he is on, what, like a 54% snap rate? Like, he's just not playing a lot. Yeah, and I, just at that point, for people that are wondering, like, it's not – Iowa doesn't play underclassmen. Like, they're going to always defer it. So it wasn't an issue if like, I didn't think he was good or anything. That That is not a concern where it could maybe it could be elsewhere. I mean, it's a concern for other reasons, but it's not like, you know, he, like, wasn't earning snaps. That's just like Iowa don't, – don't question what Kirk Ferentz does ever because you'll lose your mind. <laughs> oh, 
Well, like questioning why he still has a job. I mean, yeah, never mind. Fun <laughs> <laughs> mostly, but yeah. <laughs> Danny's up again, and he uh, sticks in the trenches just on the other side of the ball. So I'm gonna ruffle feathers with what I'm about to say. Um, I don't really. I've come to the point in my evaluation process that offensive tackle. I don't care what side you're on. If you're good at that side, and you're the, and I believe you you to be the best at that side in your position class, I will deem you the best. He is my personal offensive tackle one. He is an immense human being. He's got the largest wingspan ever measured. He's a former basketball player, as Mason pointed out with this little picture right next to his screaming emoji picture on the left. Um, He's got great feet. And while he doesn't move like tremendously, he moves well enough and he's got those big man feet and you see it in his kick slides and everything like that. And for everything he may lack in lateral quickness, you make up for with the with the extra length. Is he a perfect fit for the system? No, he's not. But Trent Brown wasn't a perfect fit for his own blocking system, and he did fairly well with New England for a few years of his career. There's no such thing as as a scheme proof. Um, or what am I trying to say? There's no such thing as someone who's just going to be put in somewhere without deficiencies. There's always going to be something they can or can't do. I believe him to be the best, and I just think the things he can do are just unbelievable given his size and the and the, the gifts that he has. I know he's right tackle only. I know he's more meant for a gap scheme or power scheme, but I just can't ignore the actual physical talent that I see on tape when I watch him. Like I just think he's an immensely strong, powerful good athlete for his size. Like he's not Daniel Falele last year coming out of Minnesota where it was like, yeah, he played rugby, but he's just still big and lumbering. This guy's got basketball player feet and that's just something you can't teach. Like he's just an anomaly. I feel like of sorts. Am I wrong? Maybe. Am I right? I don't know. The Falele comment real quick, just one thought. Like he doesn't, I mean, he's not that tall, but, um, he doesn't let guys get under him where Flele did. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. the footwork's probably part of it, but like, that's also is that like leverage? Flele just played so high, and, and like guys were able to take him for a ride. You, you don't really see that with with uh, with Jones. No, you, you don't. Yeah, I mean, and I drafted him, I think, in the second the mock maybe, um, and I said the exact same thing. Like, oh, uh, this probably is not going to fit. I mean, it'll be really interesting when you know they do their first zone scheme run and he's like you know trailing behind everybody else uh but other than that i mean again he's just he dominates on the, in the past he really does and you do have to factor in the the fact that you know he does have that basketball player feet you know that's that is something that is going to transfer relatively well and it's like was he asked to do was he asked to was he asked to do some of those things that maybe the bears would ask him to do now but, i think the part that I'm most worried about is long-term health because he is just so enormous and immense as a human being. Like he could take a kick slide one day and his right knee just decides no mas. Like I'm not wishing it on him. It's just a fact of life when you're that size. It's like in the NBA, when you get to a certain, I think it's over six foot 11 or seven feet tall. These guys just magically start having foot issues. It's not something that's controllable. It just kind of happens sometimes. Big, definitely a big concern for him. Um, oh, I'm back up again. Round two, pick 53. I'm pretty sure everyone on this pod, uh, guests and hosts included, has taken him. So I guess it's my turn now. Uh, Atatamiwa Atabare. I think I did pretty good with that. Atabaware. 
Damn it. I think okay, I'll I'll give myself a C plus. Uh, six Ade, two or just two call him four. Tommy. Tom blah. Uh, Tommy. Six, I would six two, two eighty two pound edge out of Northwestern. He's a really interesting prospect. I mean, if you look at production and tape early, that put him really as a day two, maybe even day three prospect. But there are parts of his tape, his senior bowl, and then his combine pro day performances as a whole. I mean, he ran a four four nine forty, which put him in the 99th percentile. It vaulted him up draft boards. And so now all of a sudden he's some people are talking about as a first round pick. Um, that's rich for me, hence why I took him in the second round. Um, he played eight games as a freshman for Northwestern, which is impressive. Led the Wildcats in 2022 with five sacks while also recording 38 total tackles, nine for loss, and two forced fumbles. Kind of the island of misfit toys kind of as a positional tweener uh, like Van Ness is to an extent. He's a little short for the edge and a little light for the interior. Uh, was not able to was able to not only handle his own but perform well at the senior bowl. Powerful man who wins with force and fluidity, good explosiveness in the upper and lower body. His rush movements are subtle but effective in getting to a blocker's edge. Now, with that, he, like I said, he lacks prototypical height and weight and length for a defensive end. And he's a, he has a below average, I would say, awareness and instincts right now. It's not a read and react. It's just kind of going. He play a bit robotic at times. And he has way too many missed tackles. I mean, he needs to shore that up. It was crazy how many times he's, like, laying on the ground looking up at the play ahead of him. Kind of Him thing. and Cole so, Komet have a, that in common. They just love being on the grass. One thing, Brad, if you don't know, uh, Danny has this love affair with Cole Komet and the ground, and it's a constant thing on the Bear Balls <laughs> podcast. It's, it's my brand. I have to mention Cole Komet being on the ground at some point in the show. I'm glad you mentioned it with uh, with Tommy Adebowale though he he does like even on like run like setting the edge and run defense he, and then you you find himself on his back and you're like this guy is so strong and explosive this shouldn't be happening as often as it does it's but, also yeah. it's also hard to get a gauge on how good he actually is because they had no one else on that line so they were just able to tee off like they tried moving him around making him like a little chess piece but he's just it's like oh where's 99 there there he is two bodies make someone else make a play. For sure, for sure. Look, I'll say the tape to me isn't first round, but I really do think at this point he's going to be a first round pick. I really, or or like, or not there at fifty three, uh, which is obviously unfortunate for the Bears. But I, I'd be shocked if he's there at fifty three. Number nine, light it up. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, I would. There's no way I'm taking him in the first. If he happened to be there fifty three, I'm okay with it. But yeah, yeah, any earlier, and it's like, mm, yeah, I think there's safer prospects that you could be taking. Uh, Brad and Danny shared this person at this pick round two, pick 53. So, Brad, why don't you take it first and uh, discuss your man here? Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, just off the top, if you're a three-year starter at outside corner at the U, that's probably a pretty good sign uh, right off the top. But, yeah, I mean, look, he's kind of getting lost in the shuffle uh, because this is a ridiculous cornerback class with 20, <laughs> like, starters in it. Um, look, six foot, about 200 pounds, I think can play up in press, but also could – and that's where he's better, but I think he could play zone. Um, very good balance, contact balance, balance that throwing guys off their route um, and, and jamming, but not letting the jam kind of get him out of his um, his stride. And and I think he's just like like I said, like a guy that we probably would talk more about if it wasn't for the the level of talent at his position this year. Um, so yeah, uh, a guy I like a lot. Like I said at the top of the show, I know it's a bit rich or a bit early, maybe for an outside corner. And some people's opinions, uh, for me, it is it is certainly not. Uh, I'm with you, Brad. Every time I do one of these things, I don't play around as um, I play around on them on them as much as Mason does. But I always tend to take one in the second round or so because it's like I just think I don't even know if they want to extend Jalen Johnson. I would, but that's me. 
Um, the other thing that stands out to me is I'm not saying it's a complete player count, but he's hard to do, to win jump balls on 50, 50 balls with outside receivers because he's very kind of springy. He's very vertical. Like he gets vertical really easy. It was like one of those things, like everyone always assumed, like obviously not player comp, but just the way he plays uh, the 50, 50 ball. Like everyone always just assumed Brent Grimes when he was playing was an inside slot corner. But because of how he was able to jump and play physical at the point, he wasn't ever really just relegated to slot work. I think he's really good. He tested pretty well. He 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 plays tough. He's got some stuff to clean up. He tends to play catch up a lot, relying a lot on his gifts and whatnot. But I think if he's in quite literally almost any other corner class, you're probably talking about him in the bottom of round one. But because of who he's in with this class, with the likes of Gonzalez and Weatherspoon and all these guys, he's just kind of like the forgotten man like you said it totally is and just real quick you mentioned that the verticality i mean he had a 38 and a half inch vert and you you do see that on film mm-hmm. it's hard to yeah. just line him up and say go get this 50 50 ball against yeah. him because he's not gonna let you do it nope and like brad had alluded to earlier i mean i just don't i don't know what's gonna happen with jalen um i remember after one of the shows that we did back with Chicago Audible at the end of the year, one of the things we gave out was Miss Disappointing Player. And for me, like his after his first year and even his second year, I was like, he's my missed most disappointing player. And I got torn apart for it because I mean he had some PBUs, but he not a lot. He didn't really get any interceptions, and that continued. And he's got injury issues. Do they and he's not attached to this class either, or he's not attached to this front office, I should say, excuse me. Like they they if they can get someone that you reset the clock a little bit in terms of not having to pay them. And you get someone like this, who in almost any other year, is going to be a, a first round pick and you can take advantage of that. Go ahead and do it. I also yep. think just the way he plays, you see it on tape that he very much fits what Iberflus and, and uh, polls want the team to embody. He's very demonstrative, very excitable. Like he's just a, he's a fun player. Truth be told. Brad's up again. Round two, pick 61. I know, Dan, I know Danny takes. loves this one. Go oh, ahead. Oh, go ahead. What are you saying? Oh, everyone takes him, but I love him. Go ahead. Get <laughs> yeah, after him. I, I mean, he's just – look, <laughs> I, I do like the Andrew Billings edition, but obviously, you know, again, a one-year contract. Um, if you want the just tree trunk, nose tackle, run stuffer, supreme. Um, but he's not just that. He does have a little bit of – look, he's not going to, you know, like rack up sacks, but he's got a little bit of juice. Like he's – um, he, he can, uh, I think there are a couple of, couple of plays on tape in pursuit where he's not giving up on plays, which again, Iberflus would probably love to see. And he's kind of lumbering at like 340 pounds, chasing dudes down, um, or at least trying to. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just so strong. And, and I just think this team, you know, interior defensive line is still the biggest need on this team, uh, by a decent margin. So no, no but why would you assume that I just love him? I, I why, why, why am I being saying you only told here? me like seven times is why <laughs> you quiet, quiet your voice, sir. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i go to bed like rubbing the picture of him like wolverine <laughs> yeah there are some guys though that do just end up in every mock i see that people float out there and he he is one of them and i almost want to go anti those people because like i'm gonna be different but like then you start watching his tape and you're like Damn it, I love you. <laughs> like, it makes you, sense. You know who else is that way? Moro Ojomo ends up in Need every... Don't, don't talk ill of Moro, who may be on my list. Oh, really? Yeah. Let me pretend to be shocked. Danny did another trade here. So he originally was at the 61st pick, but decided to skedaddle, moving down to round 376, and acquired a 
one uh, 117th pick as well as a pick another pick in round four from the Patriots. Similar, actually, kind of got the back end of what I got from them in the first place from moving down. Mm-hmm. Moving on. <laughs> so we uh, here's your reminder. We have the live draft show that we're going to do at Noon Whistle Brewing in Lombard, Illinois. If you're going, go to the Lombard one. Do not go to Naperville. They will not know what you're talking about. Uh, this is starting at 6 p.m. Thursday, April 27th for the first night of the draft. Again, this is going to be pretty cool. We want to give back to you guys for supporting us, listening, uh, always being in the chat or, you know, listening to the podcast later, Spotify, whatever the case may be. We're going to do some giveaways. So uh, we're giving away a Hyperize Hypersphere. We're giving away a DJ Moore jersey. We have some cool stuff that Lester, you know, the, the Faja of the podcast uh, was able to get. So he's going to we're going to show what that is later. Uh, obviously, we're going to we would fly Brad out, but this is only his first show. You know, we promised that to Kyrie, but he's done it twice. Uh, so that's just kind of why we did that. Sorry, Brad. If you if you want to come and hang out, it's on your own bill. It's also so. harder for Brad to get on a plane. <laughs> yeah, Kyrie, you can like put in the overhead yeah. container. Brad <laughs> needs like four seats. Kyrie can be my carry on. Yeah. Kyrie, oh, Kyrie's never going to be on the podcast. Yeah, yeah come on by. Sorry, please, uh, please do. We should, we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, and uh, we need to make this count because I spent a lot of money on sound equipment. So please make it worth my while. <laughs> Danny, round three, pick 64. The man, the myth, the legend, Titman. All right. So I, I really don't think I need to cover him much. Like, I feel like he's another one that just kind of ends up in our drafts pretty regularly. Um, good physical player. He tested way better than I thought he was going to like, and when you go to the Wisconsin Badger program, they're kind of just known for just putting out the big corn fed offensive linemen who play pretty well. And for a long time in the NFL, like I really don't need to recap. And we've talked about him a couple times. He's a good football player. And I think the bears need a center. Like, would you take one this high is interior offensive line really that high? But for me, the trade back, or not the trade. This my I traded back the first one, but this pick, he was the best player there. I didn't want to overthink it. I just took exactly what was there. Brad, I'm curious on your perspective here because I know you. You know, you and I had an interesting combo about centers and their value a little bit. Um, what is how? Do, what do you feel about this value for Tipman here at this pick? So the one reason for him in particular, I'd be cool with it is I honestly think he could play guard uh, at some point in his career. I mean, he's big, he's got the size to do it, um, but I also big think he has the play strength to do it as well. Um, so, yeah, in a general sense, look, like I, I get it's a weakness on the team and, and I get there are some, you know, Jason Kelsey's of the world uh, that, that make a huge difference. Granted, he was a six round pick, but I, it's just for me, like, you know, people would point to um, Creed Humphrey in Kansas City as well. It's like, yeah, if you have the best roster in the NFL or one of them with with Patrick Mahomes, sure, you can take a center at, at same range. Right. But it's just like. When you need to add premium talent at premium positions, which the Bears do, um, you, you just you don't find those players in later rounds. It, it does not happen. And you can find starting caliber or above average centers in later rounds. It happens all the time. So it's kind of more of like a probability game. I get like if there's a perfect player that they love, I'm not going to be mad about it. Um, you know, it's just basically, you know, the research I've done on all those things, like the 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 probability of finding a player at a certain position uh, you know, if you're trying to find an edge or a, or a defensive interior defensive lineman beyond pick 64, good effing luck to you. It does not happen. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. So, for yours, round three, pick 64, you took uh, this sexy beast. 
Nick. Yes, I did. And it's, I guess, funny because I, I, to me, he's a guard. Um, I, I don't think he, like, his pass blocking needs to improve whatever he plays. But, but I think, you know, for a 24 year old guy, a senior, like, he, he just, I, I don't think he has the pass blocking chops to be a tackle in the, in the NFL. Um, and, and so, but that's fine. I think he's one of the best, like, just athletes to get into the second level uh, of all the interior offensive linemen. Uh, he, he can scoot. He, he's quick off the line, has a good first step. Um, and is a road grader. Uh, it is always tough when you watch the, you know, the this uh, D two guys, or I guess North Dakota State is now like moving on up the, the the chain with all their, you know, rattling off titles. But nevertheless, uh, a really really good. I think he could fit in a gap or a zone scheme, but I think he has the athleticism to get, you know, to play in a zone scheme. Um, and you know, played some center too at the Senior Bowl uh, and was fine there. Um, but yeah, a guy that is going to take a couple years to come along as a pass protector, but is a day one plug and play road grader at guard. Yeah, for those listening, uh, Cody Mouch, guy we're talking about right now. Um, I the thing that I like about him, I, I mocked him. I think it was last week, something like that. Is just the fact that I mean, no, he's he should be playing guard in the NFL, but in a pickle, like you could slide him out to tackle, and you're like, okay, we can get through this game or two. Uh, until you know whoever you had there maybe there was an injury can come back so the flexibility is is huge and then at the senior bowl too he took like center snaps just to show that off that he could do it so someone that you could in theory play across five positions in round three is is pretty awesome mm-hmm. all right so now this is where um i picked him this guy round three pick 64 luke weibler because because I already picked Tipman and I kind of wanted a center. I'm not super happy about my pick. I'm going to start that off right now. But, you know, I did what I did. Uh, I do like the fact that he was an all-state tackle in high school. I mean, he's not obviously not going to do that in the NFL. But just the fact that he showed that cross-training ability to, to do that at one point, I like. He was a two-year starter at Justin's Alamater, Ohio State. Uh, initial quickness gets him to the, some pretty solid angles, whether he's cutting off linebackers or reaching and sealing outside blocks. He's got really good snap-to-step quickness for A-gap blocks and capable of pulling and leading to action in space and is best suited for a move-based running attack. Maintains a really solid base width and and rush mirror. Arms are short by NFL standards, which are going to hurt him. He's also got uh, trouble dealing with power players. Like, he can be driven back into the quarterback, which is going to give people some muscle PTSD, unfortunately. Uh, He would need some solid... Yes. He would need some solid guard play next to him because he's not the most physically imposing or average overall strength and you know he's got the makeup of a starting center for his own rushing scheme if he can get stronger and if he can have a solid line tandem next to him he'll be fine uh but you know it's i'm not as excited about him as it was about the tipman pick the week before not as excited about him as john michael schmitz who i think i was had in my first mock it's this one was a pick for need and at the end of the day if i was sitting there as the bears gm on the real real draft i probably wouldn't make this pick but you know this is a random mock draft so i can do what the heck i want danny's up round three pick 76 uh a guy that's gotten a lot of a lot more uh steam about him some energy as the uh draft season's gone on so let me preface this by saying when i made this pick I like Carl Brooks's tape. I, I I will always worry about competition level. It's just the way I'm wired. I always will worry about guys in the MAC division who, if you aren't just absolutely blowing people away on a regular basis, I'm going to have questions as to how translatable you are. But my thought process was this was almost like taking a Toronto Raptors approach to like 
just get a bunch of six, eight guys. This was the defensive line equivalent of just get a bunch of guys who play all over the ball, who can line up at a bunch of different positions. Cause you already got Van Ness, who I said had been seen lining up everywhere. Carl Brooks played edge a lot at Bowling Green. I think he's a three technique in the NFL here. So you can get a bunch of these guys who can kind of jump around and just do things and keep your guys fresh while also kind of keeping your best pass rushers in the most advantageous situation. Um, when you watch him, um, he's got a tremendous first step. He gets off where he's trying to go. He understands angles and football geometry. He doesn't make – there's not a lot of wasted movement in what he's doing, and he can't because he's a little bit undersized. Um, he he closes well. He When he want, when he bears down on a ball carrier, that, that uh, space and yardage in between him closes up in an instant. Um, and you kind of see the – he understands hand technique. He might need a little more work there, but he knows how to set up his, set up his moves with a lot of hand work. Um, and I, something, again, this, this regime is going to love. He clearly loves football. He was a two-time captain and he was reliable. The best availability, the best ability in any sport is availability. He started 48 games in his time at Bowling Green. I don't think he's a can't miss slam dunk bears prospect, but I'd be shocked if he's not high on their list of mid round prospects that they love. Yeah, I would agree. I'll just jump in because I have him later, so I can just talk about him now. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think he's become another one of the darlings that just everyone mocks to the Bears uh, every time when he falls there. there. There's a ton to like. He's a great athlete. I think he is a three-tech as well. Um, but, you know, like a little Demarcus Walker action, you probably could play him on the outside and on early downs. Um, just, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure why everyone's falling in love with him and, and thinks he's this, like, have to have him type of dude. Um, but I guess Daniel, like you said, I mean, he's played a ton of football. Um, and even still, he's not some 24 year old guy. He's still only 22. Um, mm-hmm. I guess he'll be 23, you know, on draft day, but really good pass rusher from the interior. Um, and, and I think his hands are pretty solid as well. Like he's not totally raw. Um, he's not developed, you know, fully either. Um, his upper body, I, I I'm happier with his upper body than, than his lower body, frankly. Um, if you're projecting towards what you want him to do kind of right away. He's lighting the ass. He's lighting the ass. You said Which, it. We're all know, thinking Potentially, it. NFL weight room, can you get him a little bigger? Potentially, you know, looking at him, I think that's kind of who he is for the most part. He's just a little bit of a top-heavy guy, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, it is what it's it is. Also, you also have to wonder, he, he does have short arms as well. You have to wonder how, like, he's not, like, the reason your people are so giddy i guess about kalijah Kansi is how he te- he tested ridiculously he didn't test ridiculously like what did he test carl brooks tested good not great and good not gr- everyone's good not great in the nfl that's why they're in the nfl <laughs> like, it, it's not to say he can't be a good football player but i think kind of like brad's wonderman is fair i think it's more just the flavor of the week Bears fans are seeing people they respect mock him. So, and then they'll like catch a clip or two of him. And it's just like, Oh, look what he can do. And then it's like, you didn't bother to go watch the rest of the game where he was very just existing. Yeah. yeah I, I can give it the data. He, uh, the bears have mocked him 70%, 17% of all picks, uh, are by bears, bears users on the mock draft sim, which is 10% higher than anybody else, which I love. Jesus. That's a, a lot. lot. I love that's, it. that's a that's a big discrepancy. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Hey, I mean, look, Carl Brooks, future bear, we get it. 
<laughs> oh, Brad, um, like you said, he did pick him as well, but not until round four, pick 103. Uh, we basically saw what we talked about that already. We could move on. Um, yep. I, at pick round four, pick 103, was the man that oh, uh, Daniel was alluding to that a lot of people are picking. Uh, Moro Ajomo, 6'3", 292-pound defensive tackle out of Texas. Now, in 2022, he did have 32 tackles, uh, three sacks in 12 games, five starts, three-year starter, which I think does line up with what Flus is kind of looking for, someone who loves football, who's a leader. He can easily force his way across the face of backside blocks and has the lower body strength to drive through blockers. He plays the whistle, which very much fits Flus hits principle. And he's a tactician with a high motor, a variety of moves, and displays uh, really good hand use, shows strong finishing bursts, and has the power to hold at the point of attack as a run defender. Uh, quick to react and locate the ball and shows enough speed to succeed in backside pursuits. He's got pretty good balance and a strong, flexible core, so he doesn't end up on the ground like a previously mentioned Northwestern edge we discussed. Uh, that being said, his movements can be a bit stiff and mechanical. He demonstrates a lot of hip tightness, which limits his pad level. So he's got to be able to get that a little a bit deeper. Needs to improve his snap quickness as an anterior rusher. And he's a bit of a straight line mover, so he doesn't really have the range to chase in pursuit. Uh, Ojomo's athletic size profile has him as a bit of a tweener between a 3-4 and a 4-3, uh, but you know this his alignment creates variances in how effective he ultimately can be. Uh, if he's surrounded by a good cast, if he's got a good defensive coordinator with good stunts, I think he can definitely be something. But you know there's ultimately a bit of a limitation. Danny, round four, pick one oh three. Gets in the Nathaniel Dell bandwagon, which I am a captain of. Uh, so Tank Dell is re- pretty much in my wheelhouse of I will always fall in love with the diminutive receiver. There, it's going to happen year in and year out. There was K.J. Hamler years ago. There was um, the kid from Purdue whose name I'm drawing a blank on in Arizona now. Rondell Moore. Yep, Rondell Moore. He was another one of my big guys. I, Jahan Dotson was my undersized guy last year who I was just like, I can't get enough of this dude. So here we are, another undersized small receiver who I'm sure I'm going to completely fall fall for and just be completely wrong about because look at all the other ones. I just think, oh, Jahan's going to be great, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so Tank has, is down in the draft community right now because he tested good, not great, as a supremely diminutive wide receiver. Like Rondale Moore was a little more – rocked up same thing with kj hamler this guy's 165 pounds that's little like that's tiny but to get to his good stuff um very productive scores a lot of touchdowns 14 over his last nine games or so while at houston um explosive he gets in and out of his breaks he understands his patterns and how he wants to sell them he doesn't really give much of an inclination as to what route he's going to do um he does have one of my Pet peeves, he kind of has the dropsies. Um, I'm going to go steal Brad's bit here. PFF has him with 21 drop passes over the past two seasons while at Houston. That's a little too many. Um, I like my receivers to be able to catch the football. I feel like that's kind of a prerequisite to play the position. Um, he does, however, have some uh, go up and get it for a guy who's a little who's a little small. Um, he He's kind of like a ballerina on the sidelines at times. He does real well getting his feet in bounds and knowing where he's at. So that proper reception, knowing where your body is at in relation to where you're, where you are on the field. Um, but he just kind of small by no, really small. I like him. He's, he's, he's really productive and I'm not really, 
I always wonder about guys who are productive in on a roster where you know he's getting the ball. Like Houston didn't really have much else to go to, so that's also going to factor into the drops where you're going to get a lot of balls thrown your way. You're probably going to drop more than you should because you're just getting the ball more than everyone. It was like the Brandon Marshall argument years ago. Like, oh, he caught 100 balls, but he dropped 30. He had 180 targets, guys. <laughs> like, that's a lot of targets. Um, I really like him. I think if he – because at one point, I know he was like a second-round thought. If you can get him in the fourth round, given his production and what I think he could be, you might have yourself something. I don't know how good he's going to be given the size limitations, but he also offers value in the punt and kick return game. So there's that. Yeah, the, the, the comp I was going to say was Jalen Darden, who I also fell in love with at a North Texas uh, and then was a fourth-round <laughs> pick and is no longer on the Buccaneers. But I'll, I'll throw this in. I don't have any other thoughts. You covered a lot of it. A buddy who works at Houston, uh, who I always bug every year to be like, are there any guys I should keep an eye on or players coming out that you're higher on than anybody else? And every year he's like, meh. He said Tank Dell is the hardest working kid he's ever coached. He's been in coaching for like a decade. Um, so thought that was cool. Thought it was notable. Um, could not, you know, you're not saying his praises more just as a worker, but he is a very small individual. Follow the production. If someone can produce in college football, they deserve a shot. Well, that was like the Darnell. Mo- that was like the Darnell Mooney thing years ago at Tulane, right? There was no one else that they had to worry about. It was just like cover Darnell. <laughs> True. Danny's up again, round four, pick one fourteen. Who you got? Uh, Luke Schoonmaker. So let's just start by saying this: Luke is pure projection, and him blowing up the damn combine. He didn't have a ton of projection or production, rather at uh, at Michigan. He's big. He's strong. He te- he tested really well like i don't think anyone really saw that coming but a little overaged which is gonna help him slide a little bit i believe he's already 24 he'll probably i think he's gonna be 25 at some point during his rookie year spent a lot of time there in ann arbor um but other than that like uh he's i worry about him against man coverage he doesn't seem to really do great from what i've watched against that he seems to have that cole Komet thing where he sits down well and finding soft spots of the zones um, but he's a much better mover. Um, blocking, I think he's got the right mechanics. He he he's willing, and I think blocking similar to like defense and basketball is just kind of you gotta want to do it. And he seems to have the want to. Um, so I think he's gonna be a nice pick. Like again, this tight end, this the tight end class might be the best class of any position in this draft. It's like between that and I think probably corner, but. I really like him. I think if you're getting him in the middle of the fourth round like this one, you're probably getting a guy who'd probably be a second round tight end just based off of, you know, blowing up the combine the way he did. I don't know. I really don't have much to add just because he didn't, he wasn't the most productive player at Michigan. He just was there a long time. I, I For me, if I'm going to go tight end in this, uh, I don't know. I'm going to get, I'm going to take a slightly bigger swing at it. If I'm going to, otherwise I'm just get like a real late guy or an undirected free agent. Now that you have both Kibet and you have uh, Tanyan, so if I, if you're telling me Darnell Washington in the second round, like all right, I can get behind that because I also think he's one of the only tight ends that's going to be able to legitimately block day one in the NFL too, and that's going to help you out in your run game and Justin out a ton. But you know, round three, round four, some of these guys, I just I'm not like just I'm whelmed. I wouldn't be against it. I'd be like, okay, cool, but I wouldn't. I'm not like yay. First of all, team, I got that from Team Titans, not stealing your word. I'm stealing it from, from Nightwing, if we're going to put it somewhere. Nightwing. 
Anything Same. on Luke's Moonmaker, Brad? I'll be honest. I mean, I haven't watched watched a ton. I'm not sure there much there is much to watch. But he did. T- I mean, all these tight ends are testing very well. They're all projections, frankly, at the next level. I heard. Uh, I think it was Lance Zierlein and the Athletic Football Show had his theory on this that all the undersized power forwards from high school are now just shifting their attention to football and becoming tight ends. And it actually seems like it tracks. Like Darnell Washington yeah. was probably an undersized power forward. Schoonmaker was probably like an undersized power forward. It's it's a kind of a cool theory, isn't it? Like. Yeah, which which, which which I had thought wish I had thought of it, but I'm an idiot. <laughs> so uh, I'm back up round four, pick one seventeen. I went with KJ Henry here, six four, two hundred fifty one pound edge out of Clemson. Uh, he recorded thirty tackles, eleven assists, fifty total pressures, including thirty one QB hurries, fourteen QB hits, five sacks in twenty twenty two. He is a super athletic guy. I mean, ran a 4 6 3 40, 165-yard split, 31-and-a-half-inch vertical. He's got some gnarly upfield bursts, but he does tend to get a bit face-up with the rusher, and so he's going to need to improve his hand usage for more effective corner turns. When he is used as a chess piece being moved around, he excels really dynamic and twists and blitzes. And he, one of his best moves is his smooth inside rush that is oftentimes too quick for tackles and leaves them wanting. Just disruptive at the snap quickness as a run defender, capable of transitioning his, from speed to power in a rush, and he reads the quarterback and frequently bats down passes, which I love. He's a redshirt senior, so he's you know a little bit on the older side there, and he's struggled to at times to set the edge, uh, and he does need to improve his hand fitting at the top of a rush. So you know I think he's kind of where he's going to be at. I don't think there's a ton more you're going to really see ceiling wise out of him, uh, but what you're getting is still really good just with how explosive he is. I think you touched on the one one thing I would throw. Like he has a plan on, on most snaps. Like what you said with the with the the batted passes, I, I think he's very aware of what he's doing. Could just be come from come from experience. Um, it showed very well in our true pass uh, true pass set uh, pass rush grade. Um, you know, because I, I do I think he's prepared for what he's trying to accomplish. You know, on, on each rush. Danny, round four, pick one thirty three. God, the Columbus connection is real. <laughs> 100%. Um, so Ronnie Hickman, I kind of almost akin to Adrian Amos in a way, whereas Amos was solid and steady, but you could rely on him more in the run, whereas Hickman's kind of the inverse of that, solid, steady, but a little bit better in the passing game. Um, he's really like trustworthy. He understands what his keys and his reads are. You're not going to fool much, but he do- it's like he understands what his role is. Like He doesn't try to do too much. Um he gets football geometry. He takes good angles. He he plays hard. He he tested better than I thought, uh, which is probably just a, a lot of these guys. It's a fast track in Indy and everything like that. Um, he's a willing tackler, not the best tackler. Um, what I like about him too, he's when he's making a play on the ball. Sometimes a lot of these guys who want to be ball hawks, they um, tend to go for the interception rather than just making the play end and batting it down. Ronnie has no issue just kind of breaking the ball up. Just live to fight another down and just make sure that the play is made on your end. Um, sometimes he gets fooled. Play action will get him. Uh, he, I guess he's more – at times you feel like you see like the gerbil running on the wheel in his head when he's trying to figure out what's in front of him rather than just reacting and reading the play. Um, and he's a little bit stiff. Sometimes it makes it hard for him to be a terrific tackler because he just can't move the way – other guys can good, good, solid football player. He's nothing special or spectacular, which is why he's in the middle of the fourth round. 
Indeed. All right. Round four, pick 133. And actually, Brad, you might also have him, too. I'm now blanking on what it was. Uh, no, but, Jacorian... but I'm a fan. Oh, there you go. Jacorian Bennett. The, the other Terrapin. 5'11", 188 pounds. Uh, he had an interesting start. You know, he actually almost gave up football in high school because he wasn't getting a lot of playing time, but he was an all-state track athlete. He ended up getting back on uh, going to Hutchinson Community College before heading to Maryland. In 2022, he led the Terps with 11 pass breakups and tying for the team lead with two interceptions to go along with 39 tackles, 1.5 for loss, and blocked kick in 12 games. Uh, he he fast fast. He ran a 4-3 40-yard dash, which is in the 90th percentile. Was invited to the Senior Bowl where he did pretty well. He's not a ball hawk as much as a cornerback that makes wide receiver lives very difficult. Kind of like what Danny just said uh, previously. You know, he just he goes for the ball and does everything he can to, to just make sure you don't catch it. Uh, he had a he has a high passive defended total, 27 over the last two seasons, which is a lot, which speaks to his aggressiveness of the catch. He's got really good body control to stay with wide receivers performing double moves. And he appears to be comfortable when he's playing off coverage, uh, which allows to quickly get eyes on the quarterback while keeping the receiver in view. I mean, he will literally pull, chop, slap, claw. He will do whatever he can to get the ball free, which I really can appreciate. And he's also a very willing tackler. Uh, he's got really great straight line speed, but he lacks recovery burst. His tape shows some balance issues too. So when he transitions downhill out of his pedal, he'll slip, he'll stumble a bit, which does prevent him from getting to where he needs to. And a lot of his aggressiveness has led to him being penalized 13 times over the past two seasons per PFF. Uh, Bennett's upside is really his positional versatility. Like I, he's going to be able to play cornerback, nickel, and then also potentially even slide over to safety if you really need him to. I think Danny already talked about him, but this is Brad's trade uh, that he did uh, here in the fifth round, fourth round, excuse me, fourth round. And moving on. All right. Round five, pick 136, Danny. So McBride was 100% a player that I drafted right after watching a couple games of him. Uh, McBride, I will start with his deficiencies. He's not a great catcher of the ball. He has some ball security issues, which is going to lead to doghouse issues in the pros, but he runs hard. He's a really good just stick ball and gut run. The way he physically runs and nothing else, not his pass protection or his ability to catch, he reminds me of Chester Taylor in Minnesota, just the style in which he runs, which isn't a bad player for the back end of the fifth round. I think he's a good football player. I think he's limited, which is why he's probably going to fall, and you got always got to wonder about the competition level. But McBride does things real well. He's just good, tough, physical runner, just very flawed, which is which normally makes for a good college player and maybe not so much a good pro, especially when you factor in the fumbling issues. Yeah, I know. I mocked him before, um, and after I did, you know, again. He's like just a, he's a fun runner, and I think he's going to give you a lot do his effort the max he can on special teams. But you know, with with the current Bears running back room now, how it sits, and I'm like, ugh, does he does he really have a spot at the table with with that pass catching deficiency with some of those fumbles? And that's now I'm like, mm, I, I'm I'm getting cooled off on Dwayne McBride compared to where I was, which is a shame because I mean I like him as a runner. Just sometimes how it is, you start going through the process. Like, like I said, I was coming off a high of watching him in a couple of games, and I was like, God, he runs so well. He's there. Let's take him. 
And then, you know, you get put on to a guy like Izzy from Pitt by Brad yesterday, and you go watch a couple games from him, and you're like, yep, that's better and different. <laughs> that's, that's who I'd prefer. All right, Brad's up. Round five, pick 136. Uh, this is someone I mocked, I think, just last week and one of my favorite players. One of, dude, he is my crush, I think, right now as well, uh, which maybe we should we should realize maybe he's going to go a little bit earlier than we all would like him to. Um, but, yeah, so uh, tested off the charts, 6'3", all of 6'3", long arms, uh, four, what, a 4'5", 140, um, good explosive numbers, too, at a 37-inch vert, 10-foot uh, broad. Um, is For me, he is like – he has no hand technique and no pass rush moves. He's all just power and burst and, and quickness uh, in the short area, which it, it, to me almost to a degree, I think when you see that, you're actually okay with it. You say, okay, if he adds that as well, what could he potentially become? Um, and so that's, that's, that's him for me. Like He is an, a freak athlete, a good pursuit player that I think would fit in both against the run um, and against the pass, uh, but just does not have a lot of creativity and a lot of – like you know, moves beyond, frankly, just using his speed to power. Uh, but, yeah, I, I have a, a, a very big crush on Yaya Diaby. Uh, I think he's a stud. As a Louisville Cardinal fan, I approve this message. <laughs> yeah, you can just imagine or hope, like, after, you know, a year or two in an NFL, you know, defensive room, like, and actually being taught on the field by, you know, people who really, really know what they're doing, what he could become. It's it's exciting. I mean, I would really hope the Bears take a flyer on him. Round five, pick 136, uh, different edge. I have Isaiah McGuire out of uh, Mizzou. 6'4", 238 pounds, uh, 28 tackles for loss, 14 and a half sacks, and three forced fumbles over his final two seasons. A good size and length as an edge, blend, blend of athleticism, flexibility, power, and an urgency that makes him an attractive process. You know, he basically plays with reckless abandon. He's like see ball, get ball kind of an edge bulldozer when clearing out space and end tackle twists and has shown growth from year to year, which I love, you know, he hasn't shown at plateau yet. Uh, Flash's power disruption, which may allow him to project as a starter, but for now his tape is just inconsistent and that's his biggest knock. Sometimes he plays a bit outside of himself, loses control, and then he needs to channel that speed and power. He can add more strength, which should help substantially and needs to be taught how to vary his entry points and angles to keep NFL tackles guessing. His run defense also needs work. So basically, he's just, you know, a rocket. And if you could, like, figure out how to aim the rocket, then he would be great. But as of right now, he just sometimes shoots off and just does whatever he wants to do. Uh, but there's a lot of potential there. Danny, round five, pick 148. Hey, look, it's another Louisville player. <laughs> um, so Yazir Abdullah is kind of a square peg round hole kind of thing in Chicago because he's probably more of an off-ball linebacker in a 40-front defense. But I almost would like to see him, if like you were to do that, almost make him an exclusive pass-rushing Sam because of the physical gifts he has and the lack of actual, like, I guess, experience at off-ball because he played almost exclusively on the edge at Louisville. Um, he's super rocked up. He's like a he, – like, I think he could be a bodybuilder if he wanted to be which is a really stupid thing to say, but I'm in the gym culture. I've tried to do things like that. And he's just, he has that kind of physique, um, real good, thick legs. He, he's strong. He gets, he's real strong and, and, and impactful in a straight line. He doesn't waste any movement probably cause he can't cause he is a littler guy. Um, 
I don't know if he actually like would be great in as a stand up stand up linebacker, which is why I'd want him to be that like forty front rush Sam, and that's it. Kind of like how um, I think that's how the Denver Broncos initially used Von Miller just as an off ball linebacker who would blitz or like Roosevelt Colvin to really go back in the wayback machine under Dick Duran. Um, good, good, solid run defender, and he's also got uh, a lot of experience as a special teams ace. Um, but I just kind of liked him as like an athletic profile and what he could be. I don't think he's a, a hand in the ground uh, edge just because he's too light. Like I know Louisville famously had Elvis Doomerville, who was a short edge, but he's just not that kind of player. I like him a lot. And unfortunately, guys, I'm going to have to bow out after this little breakdown. It is time for me to go. Uh, I am currently pre, pre-engaged with other things. Uh, Brad, as always, it's a pleasure being able to speak with you. I'm sure we'll text Mason. Uh, I hope you guys do the rest of this show justice and don't screw up Puka Nakua for me as the late round receiver. I have weird affinity for. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. Good night. Having you on Danny. Do, do what you do. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to lie. I don't know anything about Danny's players. So we're just going to highlight them as we get to them. Uh, but we're getting wrapping this up soon. Anyway. Uh, Another Louisville guy, round five pick, yeah, I guess 48 the, for Brad. Yeah, I guess it's the Louisville show. I'm bad, I mean, to cut you off. I, I guess it's the Louisville show. So, Keechel Clark is, is a tough one for me. Um, I was tipped off to him by a uh, friend of the show, I'm sure, EJ Snyder, uh, and, and a couple other people after East West Shrine. Um, basically, he told me that he was the first person to say it. I asked a couple other people, and they were like, Yeah, he had an incredible week, um, and has caused a lot of people to go back to his film. The tough thing for me is. I think he needs to be a slot in the NFL. He's about 5'10", 180 pounds. But in today's game, like he also is not a good tackler and I think would get run over by some of the bigger slots in the NFL, um, whether it's in run blocking or just trying to make tackles on them. Um, and he looks more comfortable on the outside. But all of those negatives aside, um, very fast, very twitchy, a good agility, um, is a, a like a – it's not a bad talent because he's unwilling. I think he just doesn't have the size. Like he, he wants to make football plays all the time. Um, but yeah, it's just like if he could figure it out in the slot, he's so good laterally um, that I think he could make sense there. It's just not something that I think he's done a lot of. Um, but you know, maybe kind of a projection at this point. Obviously, we're getting to later rounds. So yeah, exactly. I mean, at this point, you're just taking flyers on some talent that you see, and you're hoping you can fill in some of those holes. No problem with that. Uh, round five, pick one forty-eight. Gerard Clark out of uh, Coastal Carolina, uh, defensive, uh, sorry, nose tackle, 6'4", 345. His college career got off to a pretty bumpy start. He actually redshirted as a freshman, uh, but the following year he suffered an injury and missed the entire season. Then in spring he actually uh, transitioned from tight end to defensive tackle, where he played the rest of his career at so far. Uh, He changed his body by adding 85 pounds from 2018 to 2019. Uh, in 2022, as a junior, he played in 12 games and recorded 22 tackles, seven assists, while making 22 stops. He actually was able to also contribute four sacks on the year, as well as two QB hits and 19 QB hurries, which is not too bad from the interior. Uh, played in the Shrine Bowl, and he's an ideal fit as a run-stuffing nose tackle. Um, you know, you had mentioned earlier one of the signings the Bears made, and it's like a one-year deal, but you still kind of need that run-stuffer potentially of the future, and that he could be it, especially in this later round. Uh, aligns as a zero and one technique for, this de- for his defense. Big body rusher, very good upper body strength, strong and stout, strong tackler, good power in his hands. He can anchor, shed, and chase. Uh, unfortunately, he's a bit too often stonewalled at the line, and there's room for growth in terms of his development. 
He's not the most technically sound prospect, especially with his hands. But, you know, improving this will help him shorten his rust process and pressure opposing quarterbacks. Bit of a project, but definitely someone who can help you immediately stopping the run. Brad with round five, pick 151. Actually, this guy is a, someone I love and I have not been able to mock him yet. Oh, well, there you go. I, I, uh, I stole him from me. Yeah, so a guy that I, I honestly started watching a couple days ago, um, there's been all this buzz about he could be maybe the earliest taken player that did not get invited to the combine in a couple of years. So been a bit of a snub. Uh, you throw on his tape. For me, it's him uh, pulling. It's him out in space. I mean, he just wants to pancake everything in his way. Um, and it's uh, it's a fun watch. He, he is obviously an older player. He was a fifth year at NC State this past year, but I think it served him well. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's just a classic, like, if you're looking for an outside zone guard, uh, I think that, you know, this, this is the type of guy you're looking for. Yeah, especially at this place. I mean, he's someone that I think you could plug in. He'll go to camp and he'll actually challenge for a starting spot against yeah. someone, yeah. which is crazy. Uh, this is what Danny would have had. Round five, pick 170. Uh, he was going to take this individual here. My computer is very slow loading. Jalen Redmond, Jaylen defensive Redmond interior. Oklahoma, Oklahoma yeah. thank you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know why it's going so slow. Uh, I don't know anything about him. Do you? Uh, not, not, a, not, not, not a thing. All right, we're moving on. <laughs> All right, hopefully you know about this person. Round six, pick 198, Will Mallory, tight end out of Miami. Yes. yes. So, again, we talked about tight end. It's just this loaded class. Uh, Mallory is a guy that after the catch that has legit speed, was able to beat defensive backs in the ACC with the ball in his hands. Um, decent stiff arm can kind of throw some guys off him. I mean, the picture there kind of says it all. He could be better, honestly, at contested catches. Not bad, but it's not, you know, where you'd hope it to be because he is a big, really talented, really good athlete. But I still did like him down in the red area on more of like quick outs and screens and, um, you know, like just quick inbreakers. Um, you know, he, he could win a lot of different areas. But yeah, I mean, just a really, really athletic guy, kind of the opposite to a, the Cole Komet where like, I don't think he does a lot of the dirty work and a lot of the, the important aspects of tight end play particularly well. Um, but if you want to break off a big gainer, gainer up the seam, uh, that, that is where you're getting out of Will Mallory. Yeah, and that's something that you know the Bears have missed a little bit from the tight end position. Cole started to do it last year. Uh, definitely had some falling off on it. But he's not going to come in. First of all, tight end takes a little while for to get really engrossed in the NFL. We see them coming in around year three, year four is where they start to take off a little bit, right? Of course, when you got to figure out if you're going to pay him. Um, and he's not, and he's also not going to contribute much in the blocking game. But that's where you're hoping a Cole Komet of Tanyan would, in theory, do that. And Will Mallory instead would run those seams for you. Oh, perfect. You and Danny had this player, round seven pick 218. So it doesn't matter that he's not here because we have you to talk about him. Oh, perfect. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I thought maybe he'd already taken him before. I mean, look, Puka Nakua is a guy that is is going to show up somewhere and be productive, but he's gonna like his ceiling is probably a wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Um, not a great athlete, but a good football player has the basketball background, so you'll hear about that, and it does show up. He is going to win a lot of contested catches down the field. I think he does a very good job of getting in a corner's hip pocket. Like you can tell, he's an experienced player. He has you know sharper outrunner, knows how to manipulate leverage on on defensive backs. Um, can shake some tackles, can occasionally break some tackles. Um, but yeah, like, is he going to really get off the line and press at the NFL level? Probably not. Um, is he super fast, super quick to just, I mean, just create separation early, regardless if it's press or off coverage? Not really, um, but just a good football player. And that's, again, that's what you're looking for in these rounds. Just someone who can get, who can get out there and if their number is called. It's like, oh yeah, you can run the route we need. Great. Perfect. 
Yep. So surprisingly enough, we shared this player as well. I took him at 218. You had him at 237. Uh, we got Aubrey Miller out of Jackson State. Uh, Brad, what are your thoughts on Aubrey? Yep. So at this point, like we're talking about, you're really just taking shots. Um, I, I do think you'd be good on special teams because that's at this point where you're looking for, um, you know, a, a good athlete. He's kind of, I might say he's like too, like too much of a throwback, but he's definitely, you know, uh, or, uh, yeah, sorry, he's not like too small. But I think in today's game, you know, he, he could make sense as an undersized uh, off-ball linebacker. Um, it has the quicks, I think, can cover fairly well. Um, but, yeah, for me, it was kind of looking at it as just like a gunner and a guy that would that play well on teams, um, you know, m- most of all. Yeah, I think he fits that special teams role perfect. I mean, he is a little smaller for today's NFL. I mean, pick was that? Sorry, 6'2", 229. Uh, not exact. He can do the mic or the will. Because he's got a lot of instincts, which is great. The problem is he's a little on the slower side, again, for kind of today. I mean, he ran a 48540, which puts him in the 15th percentile. So not exactly a zoomer. He also lacks some of the fluidity and speed to turn and run with tight ends and coverage. So he would have to be a two down back, potentially playing some zone heavy schemes if you know he is going to do some snaps for you on defense. Um, but like I said, he does read and react really well. Uh, he's got pretty violent hands and can break away and disengage from blockers. And he takes really good tackle angles as well and has this innate sense for shooting gaps. So, you know, if you need him to play a couple snaps for you, if you need him to play, you know, an end of a game for you, you this is a good pick because of that uh, intelligence, QB's intelligence he plays with. But at the same time, you know, he's not going to be someone you want to rely on for sure. That's where we're at, though. All right. Danny had in round seven pick 232, Tavius Robinson, edge out of Mississippi. Got nothing. Literally, I got nothing. Didn't know this player existed. Less than nothing. All right. Danny, again, rolling through this. Round seven pick 259. Uh, we had out of Pittsburgh. I always mess his name up. Is it Servaccia, Dennis? I think it's Servosha, but I don't know. Uh, he's got the, one of the coolest names in the draft, and that's about the extent <laughs> I have on him right now. That's the, anal- that's the full extent of the analysis. I have heard of him, but I haven't watched him yet, so I don't want to say anything dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll just have Danny do like a little blurb afterwards where he just, we just throw this on at the end, defend his picks. Uh, but <laughs> one of my final picks, round seven, pick 259, uh, Jake Witt, Northern Michigan University. So actually, if you follow along with Bare Bones, I actually got to do an interview with Jake uh, earlier in the week. So go check that out. Um, it has a lot more in depth. He answers some really interesting points, but he originally played, he's, first of all, he's six foot seven, 302 pounds and plays tackle. Uh, originally played basketball at Michigan Tech College, opted to change schools, Northern Michigan, due to wanting to change his major. So nothing sport-related at all. But eventually he got the itch and wanted to go back to football and actually played wide receiver initially. Then he bulked up and moved to tight end. Then on October 30th, 2021, in a game against Ferris State, Northern Michigan was, had a ton of injuries, and coaches came up to him at halftime and just threw him the number 65 jersey and said, hey, you're playing right tackle for us. He basically got five warm-up snaps trying to figure out how to do the footwork and everything and then said, go ahead. So in this game, they were playing against a pretty solid pass rush against guys like Caleb Murphy, who's a guy who's going to get drafted. It gave up zero sacks or pressures. Played there the rest of the season before he switched over to the left side. The thing that's really cool with him is how athletic he is at that six foot seven frame. I mean, he has a 9.8 relative athletic score. Ran a 48.8940, 1.71, 10-yard split, 37-inch vertical, broad jump of 10 feet, 3 inches. That vertical would have tied BYU's Blake 
likely runs for the positional top spot. And his broad jump would have been the best among all offensive linemen in the last 10 years. So, you know, he also looks pretty darn good in the positional drills, according to scouts that were there. Now, again, he is raw, 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 raw. He only played 14 games for the offensive line. His tape is inconsistent. It's going to be a project. But if you have, want someone that has the athleticism and strength to play in his own scheme and you have the time to you know have him sit and chill and groom them, you know, to me, he has that Lane Johnson-y kind of build and game to him. That's a, that's a lofty one. It is. <laughs> if you can end up with half of that, you're happy with your seven. Yeah, you're you're a great player. Oh, <laughs> uh, so these this is the picks as a whole. Not going to read through all these because that would be absolutely insane. Um, but I'll post this later on Twitter. Y'all can vote who had the best one, who's the most interesting. Um, you know, as a whole, I look at mine and yeah, I got a little I got a little edge happy. Ended up drafting three of them, but I also think that's a position you can't have enough of, and one that sucks for the Bears. So. You know, at the end of the day, throw them all in a room and let them compete, see who comes out on top. Um, I mean, let's be real. They're not getting Paris Johnson and Jackson Smith and Jimba. But, you know, this was the one. This is one of our last mocks, so I had to try to draft them at some point. Brad, what do you think looking back at your draft right now? Yeah, uh, you know, you had to shoot the moon. I respect that. I um, I also don't think they could take enough players along the trenches. I don't care if they come out with literally eight picks that are all in the trenches. And, yeah, obviously not every single guy can make the team. Um, or be an impact, you know, contributor throughout. But why not just throw a bunch of darts? And if you hit on half of them, then then it's a success in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and because he's not here, we can say that Danny had the worst draft. He can't yeah, that was rough. Himself, so yeah, that was rough. Out of Danny. Yeah. I don't know why he did that. Um, <laughs> out of yours, I think. I mean, I, I know I, it's, it's cheating because I already picked him before, but I think my favorite pick is Yaya. I I, I just really think he's going to be a real fun player. Yeah, he's he's my crush uh, so far. We'll see if that changes. I I, I really have the next month to, to watch a lot of people. Uh, but as so far, I've done three or four position groups, including Edge, and he is my my current mock draft crush. So, well, thanks for popping on, Brad. Uh, as you could tell, Danny and I like to talk a lot, so we always go a bit long. Uh, appreciate you sticking with us. Great information you were able to give. Uh, if people want to follow you, find your information. I have it on the bottom of the screen here, but why don't you tell them where they could find you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, thanks for having me as always. And uh, always happy to yap with the fellas uh, for an extended period of time about, about ball. So, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Uh, and I'm putting out a lot of content at PFF.com um, all, all through up until the draft. And well, one other thing I want to highlight, you know, y'all put out a lot of great info, specifically you uh, projecting right with, with free agency when that just went out, like what you think contracts years are going to look like. You nailed some of those. So some of those were just so spot on. So if you're looking to try to figure out going into next year, you know, or even technically the rest of this year, there's still people to be signed um, where some of these people slot in. I mean, Brad's the one to go to for that. It's it's pretty impressive. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Yeah, well, again, thanks for coming on. But, uh, you know, that's all we got for tonight. Bear down, everybody. More to do's, less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.